Hi, I'm Adam Morris, and to me, Relentless is taking life by, by the horns and sticking with it uh, no matter what happens. Because we all know life gets tough and things get in our way, but Relentless is just sticking with it and saying, hey, you're not going to get the best of me. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Relentless Podcast. I am Kyle DeBay, your host, and I'm very happy that you're here listening today and i'm very excited to talk to our next guest mr adam morris out of columbus ohio we are going to talk to adam today about social entrepreneurship uh he's a social entrepreneur himself and he's the founder and host of people helping people which is a podcast dedicated around social entrepreneurship so adam welcome all the way from columbus ohio on the on the zoom it's good to have you here man I am so excited. Yeah, let's dive right in. Yeah, it's listen, we, we, we had a quick chat yesterday just to kind of meet one another. Yeah, we got connected through Rob Lalsher, the owner of Road 55, who, who does all of my production stuff and marketing stuff. And uh, he met you, I think, in Cleveland. I think it was in Cleveland at a conference. Yeah. You guys had a great conversation or probably two or three. And, and he said, you got to talk to this guy. He's very passionate about social enterprise and what he's doing down in Columbus. I am very passionate about social enterprise. You hit that right on the nose. Well, you know what? I think I think some people may know what it is. Maybe some people don't. But maybe in a nutshell, explain what is social enterprise. Yeah, at a very high level, social enterprise is uh, using business to create a social impact. Um, and so, quite a lot of social enterprises work in the area of alleviating poverty, around creating equality. Um, around tackling issues like human trafficking. Um, I usually use the UN Sustainable Development Goals as a good guide of like, hey, here's social issues that we're tackling. And social enterprise is really just creating a business where there's some kind of revenue uh, generating component where the purpose of that business is to tackle that social impact. So you mentioned some of the different maybe ideas or some of the different causes or where that impact can be felt, but what are some of the different types of businesses that you know of that people do? Yeah. So one very common model is a hiring model. Um, so here in Columbus, we have a great uh, chicken restaurant called Hot Chicken Takeover. Sounds, um, sounds and, awesome. And they, they exist, right? So great kind of hot fried chicken. Yeah. Um, but they exist to provide employment opportunities for people coming out of prison. Right? Okay. So in a hiring model, typically somebody has barriers to employment. Yeah. Um, and they are, are providing that job experience and a little support for, um, you know, what people need coming from their background, whether it's from incarceration or mental health or, um, you know, somebody's autistic or on, you know, on the spectrum. Yeah. Um, a lot of different companies that are, that are doing neat stuff there. Yeah, it's interesting because I, I think that, you know, when, when people think of social enterprise, maybe they think it's a charity. Or, yeah. they, think, <laughs> or, or they think it's a nonprofit, which it could be. It, Yep. It could be, but quite often, this is my very, very small experience with it, although we did, and we can get into this later, Adam, we did at You Can Use Services run a social enterprise some years ago, but it was a for-profit It was a for -profit company and, and a lot of social enterprises. So for example, you and I talked yesterday about Homeboy Industries in Los Angeles, yep. uh, Father Gregory Boyle, who started that years and years and years ago, where he would, to, to the point of what you were speaking about, he only hires gang members in East LA to work in their different companies. And he started it as Homeboy Bakery. 
And then they started all these other companies and it turned into, and then they have all this programming that has become, it's become this massive thing, all essentially started out of social enterprise, which I don't even know if Gregory Boyle at the time realized he was doing so. He just wanted to get these guys jobs, right? Yeah. And that's how a lot of social enterprises start. It's like they see a need and they're they're creating a company to help support that need. Um, And they can be for profit or nonprofit, like, uh, um, you know, Goodwill is a great example of a really large social enterprise because they have shops where they're selling stuff. Um, so Goodwill or Oxfam, where they have stores that are supporting their, their charity work, right? Mm-hmm. And they're typically thrift stores or things like that. Now, I, know, um, I don't know what it's like down in the States, but I know up here, just because I had to do a bunch of research and look into this whenever we were starting ours, uh, we basically started a, an employment company. It's exactly what you're talking about, where we hired our vulnerable young people to work for this company. We got contracts with with different construction companies or whatever it was to do labor work, and we would send these crews of, of young people with a supervisor out to do this labor work. Um, it was actually probably the most successful employment program that I was ever involved with. Uh, I want to say it was a... Over four years, we brought almost 400 young people through it, through the, the company, because it wasn't a program, it was a company. So through the company and like 84, 85% of them got full-time jobs, continued to work. Like it was incredibly well done. The problem was um, it, we just couldn't meet the margins, right? We we, we yeah. couldn't make enough money to keep it going. So we did get some money from the government for the first few years. That was helping with all, a lot of those overhead things, a couple main staff people that we had. And then we just could not charge enough to the companies to pay the rest of the bills whenever we had to pay the young people, pay for the trucks, pay for the this, pay for the that. That being said, I'm really proud of what we did. It was pretty incredible that all those people's lives were impacted the way that they were. Yeah, and I, I think you've hit on the, probably the one of the biggest challenges that social enterprises face is how do you find a business model which can actually work well right and have the skills to to do that business side while creating that impact it is very tricky um i've seen that here uh, in columbus um we we get a lot of of people starting social enterprises where they're very passionate about a cause right they have experience maybe they've worked um you know with communities that have some sort of barrier or disadvantage um and they know that experience in that community that they're trying to serve Mm -hmm but they've never run a business before, right? right? So not only are they not a seasoned entrepreneur or a seasoned business owner, um, they're starting something, they're trying to figure that out while balancing this impact on the other side. Yeah. Um, And we, I've seen that story so much of like people just struggling along, um, you know, where the business brings in some income that covers some of the stuff that they're doing, but it's really difficult for them to scale. Yeah, it's so interesting, right? Because, you know, there's an incredible thing here in Edmonton that serves the Edmonton area. And I, I think the I, I think the province of Alberta, I'm not 100% sure. I haven't dealt with them for a long time. They're called the Social Enterprise Fund. Uh, essentially, they're a bank for social enterprises. And um, through the Edmonton Community Foundation, the province of Alberta, and the city of Edmonton, they initially all made this investment. And this thing has grown and grown and grown. They actually have quite a bit of money. And they will lend folks like me who who did this social enterprise money because banks for the most part aren't going to lend you money 
to do a social enterprise, right? Um, yeah. But I remember sitting at the time with with uh, the executive director at the time. His name is Bob Ward, really cool dude. And I, I, you know, I'm a charity guy, right? I run a charity, and and I'm sitting there as a nonprofit and a charity guy. And I said to him, "Listen, um, yeah, I'm not a business guy, so I don't know." And he threw his papers down on the desk on, on the table, and he says, "What's with you charity guys thinking you're not business guys?" And I said, well, I'd, I've never taken a business class in my life. I mean, he goes, he goes, you run a charity. He goes, it's a business. He said, do you bring money in? I said, yeah. He said, do you put money out? I said, yeah. He goes, you run a business. And so for me, it was a real kind of turning point in, in the way that I looked at the way that I run my charity. All that being said, it is still different than running a for-profit company. So I yeah. run my charity like a business because it is a business. Um, but running a, a, a company where we're providing this different service and it's all about the revenues and making all this money for the company, it is a different mindset, isn't it? A different mindset for sure. And you know, one thing I've seen is like if people are really entrenched in a nonprofit model where they're so focused on um, you know fundraising from you know, you know, their, their community, um, and then getting tied down by the requirements and the grants that they get, yeah. right? Yeah. They're always trying to prove, hey, yes, we're doing this, we're doing this programming, we're doing this programming. Um, it's a huge mindset shift to say, hey, actually, no, we're in control of, of how we deliver our impact, because we have freedom over those dollars. Right. What we have to do is make sure that we're, you know, providing a, a service, you know, that people are paying for it that they like, right? right? So <laughs> a service or a product, product or, or whatever yeah, that is, whatever that is for the business. Um, and I, we have a, a local furniture bank, and they did this transition brilliantly. And I, I, they uh, had a major funder that was giving them two million a year. The funder was like, hey, you know, I'm done giving you money. Um, I love what you do, but that's it. And they oh. said, well, we're not going to close our doors. And so what they did was they ended up opening a thrift store and selling the furniture that they would get donated that um, the people they were serving didn't want. So like mm. large sectional couches or exercise equipment, like they couldn't give away to the communities where they were donating furniture, but it sold really well in the thrift shop. And they had to experiment a lot with this model and figure out what was going on. Right. So a couple key things that, that led to them being able to make that transition, which I thought were great, were one, it came from the top, they had a lot of energy, and they basically said, we're going to think differently, right? And so it came from the top that, yes, we're going to set this up. And and the company kind of knew that, yeah, this is our life on the line. We care about the impact so much. We're willing to change. Right. So you have to have that willingness and that that kind of flexibility. Absolutely. But then you have to go out and test test stuff mm. and see what works, right? <laughs> and testing stuff and seeing what works costs money, right? It costs money. It, costs it takes money. time. It takes time. It's all those yeah. resources that go into it that a lot of folks don't have. That's where we were fortunate to get that government money to help us kind of test it. And I actually yeah. think that company would still be running if we could just hit those margins, right? Yeah. If we could have just well, hit them. and any any business that starts is really tough, right? Yeah. So all entrepreneurs face this. You know, a lot of social, a lot of entrepreneurs in general start and then fail. Yeah, they oh, learn absolutely. something and they go on, right? So I would love know, to see the stats. On that. I'd love to see the stats on on because it's got to be way higher. This is at start. <laughs> that fail to businesses that start to succeed. Adam, let's yeah. talk a little bit about you. Adam, why do you care? 
Why, why, why does this matter to you? Where do you come from, man? What's your story? Yeah, you know, I started off uh, kind of a, a career in engineering and computer science. Uh, went from medical robotics to financial IT to uh, building a tech platform for retail real estate. Um, and oh, while I was so you're super, technology, so you're super smart, dude. Okay, okay. I'm good. I'm good at staring at my computer for a long time and <laughs> tapping the keys. I'll tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good, it's useful skill set in the world to have, but it never struck me as like, hey, this is what, what I want to do. And I kept thinking to myself, I would figure it out and I would sit around and think of like, well, what do I really want to do? And I'd make no progress. Um, and I thought the times that I had the most joy in my life when I felt most connected to what I was doing was when I was volunteering, hmm. right? Um, and I volunteered a lot growing up. Like I, you know, I, I loved... Uh, going out to Habitat for Humanity and hacking away at houses. Yeah. Um, and uh, for a while, when I lived in the UK, I was a volunteer with the Samaritans, which is a suicide crisis line. Okay. And, and very difficult work there, um, taking calls with people who are very lonely and, and disconnected. Um, and in a way, it was really hard work, but it felt so rewarding. And I just was like, I want to feel like that with the work that I do with my 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 life. Yeah. Um, and so I, I didn't know how to marry these two. I hadn't heard of social entrepreneurship. Um, you know, 10 years go by, I still haven't figured it out. And I'm like, all right, I keep trying to think my way out of this and it's not happening. Right. So I need to talk to somebody new. Um, so I decided, okay, the best way to do that is to start a podcast. Right. That's how people helping people got started. And I started the podcast not really knowing about social entrepreneurship. And one of the first few people I spoke to was like, oh, yes, you know, here's a social enterprise that, that we're running. And I was like, this is so cool. And they're like, well, if you're interested in this, here are the five people you need to talk to in town. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so it just kind of was born out of that. And it was just this world of like, oh, yes, this is it. You know, this is something where I can be, you know, earning my livelihood, making an impact and really learning about these issues and, and giving something valuable in return. Right, right. That's pretty awesome. And I actually think that there's a lot of people in the world that would feel or think the same way that you were feeling and thinking before you actually jumped into the the pool here, right? Um, and they don't make that move. And, and, and in some ways I feel bad for them. You know, I, if anyone's listening and, and you want to do that, I encourage you to try your best. And I love that it came out of volunteerism. You know, volunteerism is such a powerful thing, not only to the organizations that are, are receiving the help and the support from the, the, the individuals volunteering, but for the actual volunteer, it can be such an impact on their lives, their personal growth and their development. And I love that story. I love that you're like, I love just going and hacking away at a house on at Habitat for Humanity. Habitat for Humanity. It's a cool. beautiful I, thing. I love what they do. It's, it's the, cool. But it's, well, yeah. they, they teach you, right? And it's like with your hands and you're, you're there with like a group of people and yeah. so you get to connect with people. Yeah. But um, it feels good, right? It feels great. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think it's that, that connecting with people. Like yeah. when I volunteer, you're, you're, it's not about, hey, what am I getting from this, right? Mm. You don't go in it with that mindset of like, well, I want to feel better about myself, so I'm mm. going to go volunteer. Um, well, really what it's about is what am I giving back? How can I give to somebody? But what I would say probably for at least 80% of the people doing it, they end up receiving more. Yeah, <laughs> I found that to be always true. Yeah. Um, well, and the other beautiful thing is is that you know, especially if you're volunteering in roles where you are are working with a population, right? You're connecting with people. Yeah. 
Um, you're not just in the back room stocking food sure. for a food bank, which which is needed. Great, great work, yeah. very needed. Um, but if you are, say, you are volunteering on a, you know, with with groups who are experiencing homelessness, and you're on the front line serving them, sitting down with them, talking to them, having those conversations, those connections, um, I think that's what really lifts us up and, and fuels us. Um, but also, like, if you think, hey, you know, I'd love to start a social enterprise. That kind of connection, you start to learn what somebody is experiencing and you start to see things, right? You start to see things that they're experiencing and you understand, hey, here's what they want to do to change their life and the barriers that you're facing. And you realize, hey, wait, you know, that's not a problem for me because I know what to do, right? Mm -hmm. And so all of a sudden there's this synergy that comes out of that. Yeah. And I think that's where the best social enterprises start from. It's like, not not from a place of like, I want to impose a solution on you, but a place that's like really working with, um, you know, whoever they're, they're kind of uplift and understanding their life and, and building something, kind of creating something with them. Yeah. It, you know, you, so you've got your podcast, but that's not all you do. You're not a full-time <laughs> podcaster. Um, you have also been involved and are involved in some social enterprises that are, that are, that have existed or existing right now. Maybe talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Well, it's funny how these, these things all connect. So when I was recording my podcast, I had an episode with um, a local drop-in center here in Columbus called the SAR house. Um, it's a drop-in center for youth who are experiencing homelessness and they get 10, uh, a thousand to 1500 youth through their doors, age 14 to 24 every year. Um, and I just fell in love with the facility. I was like, oh, this is beautiful. And the CEO, uh, Ann Bishop, was talking about how she wanted to start a work program. And that idea just stuck in the back of my head of like, oh, that sounds interesting. Um, and I found myself about a few months later at a hackathon called Get Back Hack, which is, um, it's like a, a startup weekend hackathon, except for launching social enterprises. What's so, a hackathon? Because I'm not, what is, what is that? Okay, so I, a general hackathon, people come in on a Friday night, they pitch ideas, they spend the weekend building something, and then they're done. Okay. Um, pitch ideas about what though, like business ideas, or is this tech ideas? Typically, uh, the stereotypical hackathon is technology, okay. right? So you, you get a bunch of coders together, they'd be like, I'm gonna build an app, and okay. spend the weekend doing it. Um, for Give Back Hack, people's pitch ideas of a social enterprise they want to start. Okay. Instead of building something, they're validating that idea. So applying kind of your technology design thinking skills, right? Going out and getting feedback, <laughs> calling up people, doing surveys, okay. and incorporating that over the course of the weekend to say, hey, here is a minimally viable product that we could envision ourselves testing to see if our idea is good or not. And they, this group has seen a lot of social enterprises get off the ground. Okay. So I went in and I was like, I want to start a work program. <laughs> I didn't yeah. really know what I wanted to do. And by the end of the weekend, we had formed a team um, and decided to uh, work with the youth doing screen printing. None of us had ever run a work program before. None of us had ever screen printed t-shirts before. Um, and we had plans to do a pilot at the star house and so that's how we got started with wild tiger tees and initially it was a screen printing business we would go in teach the youth how to screen print t-shirts um, and work with them in a way that required them to work together so we were teaching team working skills sure. communication skills sure. kind of some of the basic things that they need some of the things that um, you need to be able to have employment and be gainfully employed 
right? How right. to show up, how to, you know, sometimes control your language or you're, yeah. you're, you're not using profanity yeah. or gossiping about things that aren't appropriate. How to be place. ruddy, willing, and able. Yeah. yeah. How to pay attention. Sure. Sometimes very basic things where it's like, you know, it's like, okay, with their life circumstances, right? They don't have mentors in their life. They don't have parents who are like, hey, you want to be successful? Here's what you need to do. Right. You need to, you know, show up on time. You need to pay attention. Um, you can't just wander away in the middle of a show. No, no. Right. Yeah. Like sometimes very basic things. Some of the most basic oh. things, it's the things that we teach our young people that you can, because quite often a lot of these young people, employment hasn't been modeled to them. Not all yeah. of them, but a lot of them, it's a kind of a foreign concept, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and if they're coming from, you know, the foster care system or yeah. generational poverty, yeah. sometimes these ideas just aren't there for them. Yeah. Um, a lot of interesting conversations as well. Like we used to have a lot of like for we'd work with mostly 18 to 24 yeah. year olds. They, That's they'd our go out real and they'd get, too. Yeah. Right. They would get jobs at like McDonald's sure. or, or in warehouses, very low paying jobs, yeah. entry level, no support, right. Hard to get to. They would last maybe two weeks, three right. weeks, and then they'd just not show up or they right. would be fired. Right. Um, so it's interesting when you, and I hope you don't mind, like I, I'm jumping yeah. into, so I always say at UCAN, we, we've been very good at finding young people jobs. They're really shitty at keeping them. And there's a lot of reasons for that, right? There, it, maybe it's transportation, maybe it's the fight or flight thing, maybe whatever that is. But yeah. about four years ago, we brought in what all of our youth workers are called relentless youth workers because everything is relentless, 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 I love right? Because <laughs> we have to be relentless with these young people. And so we have relentless transitional outreach workers, and they're there to help these young people transition from our programs into employment because quite often young people don't do it. If they fail in employment, it's probably 80, 90% of the time an outside factor not the actual job. And so yeah. our relentless transitional outreach workers are there to help them figure out the outside factors while they're still trying to work. And it's incredible. I think I think the number is about 36% of our young people used to be able, we'd get them a job and they would stick with that job for the three months. So that's a low percentage. We are now in that like 85% of our young people stick with the first job because they have that support where this, yeah. this, they're supported. We're also working closer with the employers, which makes yeah. a huge difference too, right? So sorry I jumped in there, but everything no, I love you're, this, but that everything you're saying resonates with me. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think that's true for anyone who's listening to this, like me, like without support in your life, it's very difficult to, to push forward um, and take life by the, by the horns, right? It's like, in order to really succeed in life, you, you can't figure it out by yourself because life is just, things are really complex, right? And so when you have that support system, then you have a place to talk and, and figure out, okay, yeah, these stories in my head, they're, they're not working. But when you share those with the, the community around you and you have that community, then you can find a better way because everyone that has kind of a piece to that puzzle. Yeah. Um, yeah. And when you think about you starting up the, the social enterprise with the, the silk screening, uh, you needed that support, right? <laughs> and so this is what I often say to people is, did you get to where you are by yourself? 
No, not, not at all. Nobody did. Uh, and so, nobody did. so these young people dealing with, for in your case, like extreme poverty and homelessness. Now, hey, let's, hey, get a job. Just go get a job. That'll make everything better. That's not how this works. There's such a process to this. This there's there's so much that goes into this because I think people assume that there are some people that do make a choice to be homeless. I'm 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 not going to deny that. But there's so many of these people where their life circumstances have led them there. So this concept of well just go get a job. That's it, it's just not that easy. It's just not that easy. And I, I agree with you as far as let's teach them these basics when they get there. And it's not even the actual job. It's not the, 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 whatever that, whatever you're building, whatever you're selling, whatever you're, the t-shirts, it's the, all the other stuff that even get them there and give them that ability to stay there, which is what yeah. you're talking about, I think. Yeah. Well, and, you know, again, like if you think of the community that they have, um in this environment a lot of their peers are in the same exact position that they're in right, right? Uh, it's not cool to talk about jobs so right. you know they don't share about that and there's you know there's issues like drugs there's issues a lot of mental health issues because of huge, abandonment or huge. whatever it led to their situation yeah. but i discovered that it's very different from working with like an adult population that's experiencing homelessness and that a lot of the adults that I've seen and worked with, there's almost this resignation that, okay, life happened and I'm, I don't know what to do. And they've mm. kind of, there's like this loss of energy mm. um, or loss of drive. And so not, not always, but um, I've seen that. And I've never seen that with the youth that we work with. Right. It's all like, you know, they're, they're figuring out their life. It's yeah. like, from my vantage point, I can see that, yes, they had a very bad hand dealt to them, but they don't know it. Like this is, this is their life. Right. And they're figuring things out and they have ambitions and plans. And sometimes those ambitions are, I want to become a a rap star. Sure. And you know, I'm going to live the, the glitzy life, you know, when they become successful. Um, but you know, it's, there is that interest and that that desire in life to 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 succeed, and, and they they have that grit, you know, of yeah. like yes, I'm going to dive in, because they've had to be very crafty in order to survive. They're like, very resilient. There is this there is this kind of entrepreneurial spirit with yeah. them, which is really fun. Yeah, uh, it's so cool. Well, um, because you know what, they 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 have to be resilient. They have to, they, uh, and this is not a term that I'm going to. It's not a negative term. They it's about the hustle. They got to hustle. Right. And that's how they're in survival mode. And it's interesting you say that about the, the youth population compared to like, a, like we we'll call it adult, older population, whatever you want to call it. Isn't that the same in life, though? Do you know what I mean? Like just in, in we'll call it regular life, whatever the hell that is. But I mean, it's it's this thing where, you know, you can work with people that are older and, and they seem a little disgruntled. And it's like, yeah, this is my lot in life. And then you get the young ones in there and they're fired up and they want to move forward and they want to do this and do that just because a young person is homeless doesn't mean that they don't have those hopes or those dreams. Now let's be honest, Adam, some of those dreams of I'm going to be a rapper. I'm like, cool. We have those two. We have those young people. Like, I'm going to be a rapper. I'm like, awesome. You hear them rap and you're like, you're probably not going to be a rapper, but it's a good dream. It's a good dream to have. My thing is this dream as big as you want. I love dreams. Yeah. I love dreams because they're free. 
So there, that's a great thing. And dream as big as you want. But but I'm also a big believer in, but you still should probably get a job while you're dreaming because you got to pay for some food. You got to pay for some shelter. You got, you know, that whole concept of being economically independent, which is good, but still dream and still work towards the dream. But you, you get what I'm saying, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, and, you know, if you can give them a way to tap into that curiosity of what's possible through, through work, yeah, maybe that you know, desire to be, maybe what they like about that rap music is being in front of people and being able to present. And right. so maybe there's a career path there, right? right. That they can find. Right. Um, and I found this like, it's quite often when we get so sucked into life, just trying to survive that we stop following that curiosity mm. um, of what is inherent to us, right? That, that personal thing of like, yes, I find this interesting and I want to explore more. Yeah. And I think the more that we can dive into that curiosity, um the more life kind of unfolds it's like the life's it's like the the world around us is like saying yes we want you to be curious and dive in and explore who you are right. and we have the perfect place for you right and you just have to be like yes i'm gonna go go for it i don't know where it's gonna lead me but this is who, who i am some so, of the smartest people well, i've ever met in my life are young people who are dealing with trauma and all these barriers to success as the world would look at them, which is homelessness and addictions and mental health. And yet I've had conversations with them and I've learned so much from them because they do have this zest about them. You know, they, they have this resiliency about them that I've met many people and, and, and I would say myself in life where I haven't gone through what they've gone through. And, and yet, they just have this outlook that is much different. And, and I don't know if it's a subconscious conscious, if it's a, they don't know any different. I don't know any different. I don't know what it is. I just know that it's an honor to work with these young people. And I know yeah. I, Adam, even just in the conversation, the short conversation we had yesterday, that short time we've talked, I can feel that from you, that your sense of curiosity on what can the world be for others has led you to this work and and that there's this just this joy and this this unbelievable um Im- impact that we know can happen if just giving these young people the opportunity will help them yeah, yeah. well and it is really collaborative like the, the, that's so true I, I get so much working with them and so much inspiration because you know quite often i you know i have these sliders on my you know, the side of my eyes, which is like, hey, this is how the world works. And this is what you can do and can't do. Right. Because that's what we've been told. That's what we've been told. Well, nobody's been telling them anything. So they have, they have no, none of those blinders. So quite often they see things and it's like, oh, that makes sense. That's a really cool idea. Why didn't I think of that? Um, And so just realizing the value of of that experience um, too, that two of our, our mentors early on that helped us get going um both came from situations and they didn't tell me this up front but it was like you know six months after we were in both of them came up to me independently and were like yeah you know when i was a youth one was one was also homeless and the other one was like living in a car for a little bit and so it's like they could really relate to the people we were working with and so it's like okay you never know where you are today does not mean you're in a fixed place for where you're going to be tomorrow no absolutely 
Absolutely. So. We've had a, we, there's a very, very successful business guy here in Edmonton. His name's Ken Franchuk. Um, very successful business guy. Does well. Was homeless when he was, I think, 16, 17, 18. Like for, for a good couple of years, he was homeless. Living on the streets of Toronto, right? And you, you just don't know. Now, listen, I'm also, again, what I said earlier, like, you know, kids are like, I want to be a rapper. I want to be this. Like, I'm not like, anyone can be the, also for you, the president of the United States of America. Anyone can be the prime minister of Canada. I don't, I don't say so. Like, I'm not, I'm not throwing that stuff out. I just believe that success doesn't mean that you have to be a millionaire. Success doesn't mean that you have to drive the Lamborghini or do, you know, uh, success to me is, are you economically independent? Are you able to live your life, you know, hopefully free of the systems that are set up to support folks? If you can do that and, and, you know, but for some people success is, Hey, I, I stayed out of jail for the last five years and I've kept my minimum wage job and I've got my tiny little, you know, studio apartment and I'm able to awesome. That is a massive success. And I think that that's what you're trying to do with your social enterprises and, and, and some of the work that you're doing. Yeah, very much. Um, and the, the dreams are like, you know, they're like a hacksaw, like quite often behind the dreams, there's still this belief that they, which I see where it's like, they, they believe that, they're stuck in life. Like this is the only thing that they can do. This is the only way that they can be. There's no other option for them. Right. 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 And I think that's true for a lot of people in life. Like they're in a job and they just feel like, well, this is all that I can do, or it's too difficult to go and transition to something else. Yeah. Like they let go of that agency that says, yes, I, I can create whatever I want in this world. Or, right. you know, like there is so much potential within me to change and, and get a different outcome. Yeah. And you don't see it because you haven't experienced it. Right. And I think following those dreams helps you kind of get away from that. But some of it too is addressing these beliefs of like, yes, I'm stuck in this way of being. And if you can show that, yes, actually, you, you're not just, you know, this, this thing that looks like a rock, but really you're a seed that's being planted and who knows what's going to bloom, you know? Right. You know, right. I, I think that there's just so much power in that, of connecting those ideas with people and giving them that. that. The Relentless Podcast is brought to you by You Can Use Services, which I am very proud to be a part of. You Can Use Services is an organization that helps young people move out of harm's way and onto a path of economic independence. If you want to learn more about the incredible work that we do with some very vulnerable young people, please go to www.youcan.ca. That's www.youcan.ca. Let's say somebody wants to start a social enterprise or somebody wants to start getting into this. Now, we're going to put some stuff up on the – Lenny, make sure we remember to put uh, like a lot of Adam stuff. But it is different in America than it is in Canada. There's different yeah. rules, regulations, laws. We could put some stuff up as well, Glenny, about um, – the social enterprise fund here uh, in Edmonton. Look, look all that stuff up. Get those links on there. But for for you, Adam, and 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 I think I could maybe even throw a couple ideas out there too, because of my experience social enterprise. What are some major things? Oh, how do we start this? This is what I'll say. Anyone who wants to do a social enterprise, awesome, great, beautiful. You're passionate. It's awesome. Uh, I say go for it. But just so you know, it's not easy. 
It's not easy. I'm not trying to be negative, and I'm not trying to steer anybody away, but it's 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 not easy. But what are some things that you would just kind of some general things that you would tell people if they're interested in this, Adam? Yeah, I mean it's not easy, but there's a lot of support. Like when when you're standing for a cause that's bigger than yourself, it's amazing how many people are out there who will help you um, learn and achieve and, and right. give their time and their services. So right. it, it is different from like, hey, I'm starting in a business and I'm trying to get something from the world. It is about something that's bigger than yourself. Mm-hmm. But step one, like if you want to start a social enterprise, the first thing that you want to do is really immerse yourself and get connected to the people that you want to serve. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Before you even design a solution, before you think of a solution that you think is, is great, make sure that you're connected with whoever it is. Um, and be like, so this is where volunteering is so important because you can get in, in front of people and start understanding, you know, what's a problem for them and what things they struggle with and, and what kind of support they need, right? Because if you think, hey, you know, um, here's a population that I, you know, I, I want to help be more successful in life. I'm going to go and get them all jobs. I'm going to line up their interviews. And, you know, because they're just sitting around doing nothing all day. But the people you want to serve are, you know, the elderly who are, you know, in nursing homes. <laughs> you're probably not going to be yeah, on the right foot. Yeah, yeah. You know? And that well, might be you an need extreme to, example. You need to understand who you're trying to serve. Yeah. You need to yeah, really and, understand. And and through vol- with them. Yeah. That's right. And through volunteerism, right. you can do that. And also having conversations with them instead of just assuming that we know what you need, we know yeah. what's going to help you. You should probably actually say, what do you need? What's going to help you? But you need yeah. to entrench yourself in there a little bit, right? Exactly. And the the second really cool thing that you can do is go and look for nonprofits that are also serving the same people that you are you want to serve, mm-hmm. right? And connect with them. Because one thing that nonprofits almost always have are limited resources. Yeah. But what they do want is to, you know, accomplish their goals. And so quite often they're open to partnerships, but they're also open to sitting down and, and helping helping you learn how to best serve the, the community that that you know they're working with. Mm-hmm. So a lot of opportunity there. Uh, but then go like I didn't I didn't know that social enterprises existed or how many there were around me. And I was very fortunate Columbus, Ohio has a very strong network of social enterprises and you know they track about a hundred social enterprises here in town. Um, and so there is this education where, where people sit down and, and support each other. But those exist everywhere. And if you they're, they're usually hidden beneath the surface. You have to go and dig a little bit, yeah. but find them and find out who they're connecting with and how they got off the ground, how they got their funding. Um, like this impact investing that's been taking off is fantastic where, you know, if you have a solid start to your business, you know, being able to get impact investment, which are these like low interest loans, like what yeah. you're talking like about. Like social bank. enterprise fund. Yeah. Yeah. The social enterprise, like that, that sort of impact investment fund. Um, they become very popular in recent years because people realize, hey, if I, you know, instead of just giving my money to a foundation where it's going to a grant that's being used one time, if I can put that money into a business that's going to come back and maybe 80% of it comes back or whatever the number is, it gets right. to be reused again and that yeah. impact is multiplied. Yeah. So there, there's just a lot of cool things around there. Um, but then also find a, a an accelerator for enterprises, whether it's for, for 
for social enterprises or for regular businesses and, and learn those business skills because that will help you really kind of refine what your business model is um, to get out. And then you're going to be testing whatever idea you have. So the best way to grow any business, whatever it is, is to break it down into little tests that you can very quickly validate, get feedback from other people on, and then iterate. So um, if, if you go to Google and type in design thinking for entrepreneurs, you'll find a lot of resources there. Um, but just this process of, hey, you're going to go and get empathy about a problem, then you're going to come up, brainstorm up some ideas, figure out what assumptions you have, and then go and design a test to learn something about those assumptions and take that feedback in your idea. Yeah. Um, and you start doing that process and you start to get a much better handle on you know what your business is about. Yeah. Um, What's your favorite part about doing this? What's your favorite thing about it? What's, what's, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that the moments that stick with me the most are when we are working with somebody and they share a story um, about how they're blocked. Um, and we have the space to kind of dig in and explore that and and come up with a different story that they could be saying, right? So um, one of my favorite examples was we were working with somebody teaching them how to screen print and uh, they they were talking about how they kept getting fired from jobs because of their mental illness. And it was like, okay, well, what it, does that mean? It's like, well, whenever people get upset with me, um, you know, I shut down, right? Whenever I get really negative feedback, I just shut down and I can't do anything. And as they are describing this story, our other co-founder comes over and corrects them on how to hold the squeegee when they're screen printing, right? right? right. And immediately, immediately, this person goes from being like bubbly and, and just talking to like totally silent, shut down, quiet, right? And you can see this has just happened what they were describing. And so, you know, we're a safe environment and we're like, hey, is this what you were talking about happens right. on the job? And, and they were like, yeah. And all of a sudden we had this conversation point where we could, you know, talk about what that meant for them. And I remember them coming up, you know, weeks later and being like, Hey, listen, I never talked to anyone about this before. Right. And that, that changed how, how I saw myself. Sure. Um, and so we have those kind of conversations a lot in our work program. And for me, that that's the most rewarding thing is like when, you connect with somebody and it's like you see how they're seeing the world and then you you shine a light on it so that they can see something different yeah um i, I just love that it's it's fun it's amazing it's where when, kind of sparks fly yeah yeah and and when something just kind of click in their brain and there's a lot of little clicks that we all need in our lives to help I'm, them i'm not excluded from that none I'm of us are you know i tell our young people all the time you know, I'm, I'm very, I, I, I'm just, I don't know. And in 2023, you got to be a little softer. You got to be a little more gentle, but I'm just, I don't know. I'm just not that way. So, I mean, I'm very honest with our young people. And, and I say to them, if, if I deliver workshops with them, listen, you're all here because you're trying to get your shit together. That's why you're here. And whatever's happened to you out there up to this point in your lives, I don't know all your stories because I don't know them all. You know, I don't, I'm not a frontline worker anymore. So I don't know them. I, but I say, you're here to get your shit together. But here's the thing. So am I. 
and I'm 50 years old and I still got to get my shit together, man, in different parts of my life, right? It never ends. But really, if you can get the support and if you can have people that are willing to sit and have these conversations like you just described with this young person, who it's not just a one-off conversation. It's, it's, it's conversations that are happening throughout this lived experience together of helping a young person work and learn how to work and learn how to show up and learn how to not be on the phone all the time and learn how to not tell the boss to F off and learn how to, you know, all those things. And then quite often we do see this change in them that they didn't even realize was happening while it was happening. That's the beauty yeah. of it. That's the nice. beauty of it, you know. I don't know. I, I I think it's incredible work, and I and I, I you know, you said earlier. Actually, uh, I'm I'm screwing up my language when I'm talking about the company. I'm calling it silk screening, and that's not yeah. that's not right. What is it? What is it? Um, I I refer to it as screen printing. Screen um, printing, but I'm being, I've yeah. been calling it silk screening. So that's oh, I've said it once, but that's bad. I'm sorry, Adam. I was disrespectful. It's all good. I mean, actually, you know, part of being an entrepreneur, we found um, post-pandemic that screen printing wasn't working anymore oh, okay. as a work program activity. Okay. Um, why is so that? Now we're, we're trying to reinvent ourselves, right? So, so, so why is that? Why do you think after the pandemic it wasn't working? Um, one, the logistics got a lot more difficult for just how we were working within the Star House. Okay. Um, and we were evolving our program just based off of feedback from from the youth that we worked with. Okay. Um, so the the Star House opened a um, they bought an old Motel Six and turned it into sixty units of transitional housing. Oh wow! Uh, which is wow. really awesome. And so yeah. the youth that um, you know they they go through an application process. If they they go into the um, this place, they have a graduated rent, so they don't pay anything at first, and then over time they pay a bit more depending on what their employment. Which is, is. great, and that's the way to me it should be. Yeah, awesome. Right. Yeah. And what we found was like when they were, you know, in Carol Stewart Village is the the housing, um, that that stability meant that they were more likely to show up to the work program um, more consistently. Mm-hmm. Um, and what the youth expressed they wanted was to make sure that, you know, they could get kind of regular skill development. Like they wanted to be part of something not just once, but ongoing so now we run a cohort for four weeks where the the youth commit to showing up every single week so we get to work with them for a longer period of time um and so we've just been evolving our format and in that the screen printing just became too difficult to to say yes we'll have screen printing on this date and this date right um so and i've also i'm very much focused on sustainability and uh, the chemicals and the screen printing always bug, bug me the oil-based inks and the cleaners oh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and so part of me was like i want to move to products which are upcycled or or better for the environment so we're testing a lot of different products so what um, do you think you're going to do next with it well they uh, the group has been very excited about sewing so we've been doing sewing projects making bags and um getting more adventurous with that uh we work in partnership with a floral company called Petals That Inspire. Um, and so we were talking and we are gonna start cutting wine bottles and making them into little tree planters. Oh, very um, cool. Because you can get free native uh, trees here in Columbus. Okay. Um, because they want more native plants yeah, planted. Yeah, yeah. So the state's giving them. So we're gonna get those and plant them in wine bottles. Basically you can cut off the top and then make a planter out of it. 
and they they so the, so the floral shop is i think you've said it's your the your, the, the the sister company our sister and, program yeah and it's so, it's um what's it called it's called petals that inspire um and it's actually been an inspiration for me amanda quit her job and she was like i'm full in on this she she bought a floral shop and set it up um she teaches the youth how to do the floral arrangements yeah um and she found a business model where, you know, she does the, the usual weddings and events and things like that. Um, but she runs workshops for the public on how to do floral arrangements. Oh, I so I love it. You know, a lot of people coming in, seeing what's going on, being able to, to give back and, and participate. Um, and it's been able to give us more time with the youth as well. Yeah. And kind of that consistent time, which really helps. Yeah, um, yeah. So we can start tracking, you know, the success rate in their stories. So we've seen it. Um, a few of the youth graduate from our work program with with jobs that are actually that stick, right? Right, which is right. really exciting. So now we're trying to figure out how to scale that. Love it because I, I we were talking yesterday. I love flowers because my mom was a florist, and uh, at UCAN Youth Services we have a fresh bouquet, huge bouquet of flowers delivered every Monday for our lobby. <sighs> love uh, it. From the uh, little plug here, the awesome blossom in Edmonton, Alberta, and uh, if anyone in Columbus needs flowers. Uh, in Edmonton, you can call them. They will deliver. Uh, awesome Karen Hickey That's a great there. name. The Awesome <laughs> Blossom. Like yeah. And her, Karen Hickey, she's just one of the most beautiful humans I've ever met in my life. And she donates that to us. And I'll, I'll tell you why, because I'm just a big believer in the young people having some beautiful things around them all the time. And flowers are one of those things. And so I love that, that, that that's one of you guys' companies. Um, I'll tell you what, I was looking at my phone and you're probably thinking, this guy's so rude, but it's not. One of my best friends in, he's in out of Dublin and his oh, cool. name is uh, Christopher, Gor Christopher Gordon, Chris Gordon. Uh, it's actually Christopher Michael, Michael Gordon. Long story, but he has two middle names and they're Michael. Awesome guy, known him forever. Uh, energy like you, passion like you, all around social enterprise. And his Twitter is, he's got one, two, three, four, it's about 115 different things he's involved with in, in Ireland around social enterprise. That's why I was looking it up because I wanted to get all the names, but it's honestly, I'm going to link you up with him because he's the type of person yes. who loves to learn from other people doing social enterprise and learning. And uh, the whole conversation, I'm sitting there thinking, you got to get a hold of Chris. Chris has to get a hold of you. So I'm going to link the two of you up. Have no idea Beautiful. what would happen, but I think that you guys would have some good conversation. So yeah, we'll make that yeah, happen, yeah. man. You know, it's been that. it's been pretty cool talking to you about this, and and I know that you know you're doing some great stuff out there. Um, I don't know. Weirdly, not weirdly. I'm just going to say thank you. I'm going to say thank you for your heart. I'm going to say thank you for your passion to help others. And obviously, youth are very dear and near to my heart. So thank you for wanting to help the youth of Columbus, Ohio. Um, it really is an incredible thing. And, you know, I, I think that when we talk about the favorite things about this work that we do, part of it for me is that I can't believe that I actually get paid to do this you know like that's honestly the way i feel and uh, it's an honor to me it is i think it's a responsibility and i think that it's incredible and i think that that that's what you're doing down there along with many others that i know you're collaborating with and doing stuff mm -hmm. with um 
so Adam, we've, we end every podcast with what we call the relentless quiz. And it is scientifically proven uh, that if you pass this quiz, you will be considered relentless. Are you, are we, listen, you're a tech guy. You're obviously super smart in school, engineering, all that stuff. Um, I did one year at university, bud, and the best mark uh, I got was a paper my wife wrote. So you need to know that I think you're going to pass this quiz. <laughs> all right. Are you ready? Bring it on. Okay, man. Here we go. Fruits or vegetables? Oh, fruits. Okay. Okay. City or countryside? City. Okay. Dirty bathroom or dirty kitchen? Oh. Well, my house is a measurement dirty kitchen. Because... <laughs> Okay. Bathroom stays clean, but okay. a lot happening in the kitchen. Okay. Salty or sweet? Let's mm. toss up. I, I would say sweet. Okay. Okay. Morning or night? Night. Favorite comedy movie? Favorite comedy movie. Um, maybe, uh, actually the man who knew too little. I love that movie. Okay. Okay. That, Hey, that's, so, that's, I had a dig for that one. Yeah. Yeah. That's a bit of a deep cut. I like it. I, I like it. <laughs> um, a big party or small gathering, small gathering. Okay. Phone in the bathroom or no phone in the bathroom. Oof, I had no phone in the bathroom. No, you're just saying that so you don't seem weird. Everybody's everyone's on the toilet on their phone. I don't care. So many people are like, no, that's just all right. Gross. Yeah, okay. Everybody do does it. <laughs> everybody does it. I don't care what anybody says. So many liars on this podcast. <laughs> um favorite love me. song of all time. Favorite love song. Um I used to, when I was in college, I used to sing All the Things You Are. It was kind of an old jazz song. Um, okay, we'll take that. Can you sing it now for it. us, Adam? You are the promised kiss of springtime that trembles on the brink of a lovely day. I, I This is amazing that you're actually mm -hmm. singing it to me. <laughs> Most I, people, I when I see that, they in, go, no. In 10 years. Like, I love that you did it. I love it. I'm very self-conscious, too. So. <laughs> no, you're not. You're just saying on this podcast, I love it. Your confidence level <laughs> is off the charts, man. Uh -oh. I love it. Oh yeah, but deep I have deep-rooted beliefs that there's something wrong with me, so I'm always like second-guessing myself. There's something wrong with all of us, brother. And I think what I you know, just did, I... listen, you're the first to ever, not that I've asked a lot of people to sing them, but, oh, great. Thank you so much. Two more questions, man. Last one, cake or pie? Um, oh, cake. Okay. Okay. The last question, Adam, before we end this is describe your relentless podcast experience in four words. Inspiring, really great ideas. Awesome. That's fantastic. 
Adam Morris, where can we find you on the socials? So on the socials, uh, uh, people helping pod is typically my, my podcast handle PPL helping pod. Um, or you can find me at peoplehelpingpeople.world or wildtigertees.com. Cool. Adam, uh, I've listened to a couple of the episodes of the People Helping People. You do a great job. You're a smart guy. You're a passionate guy. You care about people. You care about what you're doing. I'm thankful we met. If I'm ever in Columbus, Ohio, uh, we're- Come grab coffee. We have, we have we have like four or five social enterprise coffee houses here. Awesome. So if you, if you drink coffee- I'm not a know, coffee I'll, guy, but I'm sure you, I'm sure you serve tea. I'm sure you we, serve we, tea. We do have tea. Yeah. We have uh, somebody who's just uh, launched a high tea uh, in Columbus. So high tea. Sa- Listen, when people think of me, they think high tea. And are there like any kind of little crumpets or any kind of treats in there that I could buy? Yeah, she okay. does great. great I crumpets, love it. So, Adam, I appreciate you being here, man. Thank you so much. And uh, everyone, check Adam out. And to check us out, by all means, go to www.ucan.ca. That's Y-O-U. CAN.ca to check out all the work that we do with the, the young people in our community. And you can find me on Twitter at Kyle Dubay. Thanks for listening, everybody. And thanks again, Adam, for being here. It's been awesome. Thank you so much. This series is proudly produced by the team at Road 55. Road 55 creates content that connects. For more information, check our website, www.road55.ca.